This evening scripture reading will be read from James chapter 4 verses 7 through 9. James chapter 4 verses 7 through 9. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands ye sinners and purify your hearts ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn ye weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Good evening and welcome again to our worship. We're grateful for your presence tonight. And we're going to be looking at James chapter 4 and we'll be noting specifically verses 7 through 9. As always, we appreciate the presence of those who are visiting. We are grateful for your presence this evening and we trust that you'll come back. We would love to have you join hands with us if you're looking for a church home. Come and be a part of the work here at Olive Branch. As was mentioned a moment ago, our gospel meeting does begin next Sunday morning, and we anticipate a great meeting. The theme of our gospel meeting will center around involvement, and we want to encourage everyone to be a part of these series of meetings beginning Sunday morning, going through Wednesday night. It is our prayer that we will be inspired to greater heights of service through our devotion periods and through this opportunity to hear the gospel preached and to be exhorted and uplifted in the faith. As I said a moment ago, we're going to be looking at James chapter 4. Excuse me. It's the allergy season. Hopefully, I'll be able to speak. Maybe just a little bit. In James chapter 4, tonight we want to talk about the theme, giving ourselves to God. James is one of the most practical books in the New Testament. You'll find its Old Testament counterpart to be the book of Proverbs. And in James chapter 4, we have some statements made by the inspired writer that I believe help to inspire us to literally give ourselves to the Lord, to his service, to his cause. And so... With that in mind, we want to look, first of all, at verse 7. And as we look at these verses, I want you to think about your relationship to God. And I want you to ask the question, is your your relationship to the Lord growing deeper? Are you drawing closer to the Lord? It would be our prayer that your relationship to the Lord would be one that is moving in a very positive direction. And so we're going to be looking at these verses. The first thing that I call your attention to tonight has to do with the importance of submitting ourselves to God. Look at verse 7 if you would. Here James said, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The first thing that I want to call your attention to has to do with our obedience 
to the Lord. Because you see, James said, submit to God. If you want to counter some of life's greatest problems, then I would encourage you to give strong consideration to being submissive to the Lord. Was it not Jesus that asked on one occasion, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? When Jesus began his great sermon on the mount, in Matthew chapter 5, he set forth what are sometimes called Pentecost pointers. We think about the Beatitudes. I apologize for my voice tonight, but I do appreciate the water. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus set forth the Beatitudes. And here we have some foundational truths upon which those who would be disciples of our Lord were to emulate. Now, as Jesus closes out this great lesson in chapter 7, we find the Lord saying, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Isn't it interesting that Jesus begins his earthly ministry by emphasizing obedience to God? Is it possible that this idea of obedience, of being submissive to God, has been lost on our world and our society today? I said a moment ago that if we will learn to be submissive to God that we can counter many of the problems that are characteristic of our day and age. Let me just give you some of the problems that we face. The first has to do with divorce. Did you know that you and I live in a day and time in which one out of two marriages contracted today end in divorce? Very startling. To think that one out of two individuals who join hands together in this beautiful relationship or institution that God ordained back in Genesis chapter 2, that those institutions or homes are being undermined and destroyed. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus was approached by the religious leaders of his day. And they asked the question, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And Jesus responded by saying, have you not read? Now, if you want to know one of the real problems that is undermining the home today and marriage in particular, it is the solemn truth that men and women do not spend time reading the Bible. Jesus simply asked the question, Have you not read that he which made them in the beginning made them male and female? For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more two, but one flesh. And then in verse 6 he said, What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. I would submit unto you this evening, That if men and women would enter into the marital relationship with a sense of commitment and permanency, this institution that we know as the home 
would not be in a state of decay and decadence. Young people today need to understand that marriage is a lifelong commitment. There are no think-sos and maybe-sos about this relationship in the eyes of God. No, Jesus said, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And so, when we talk about obeying the Lord, being submissive to God, well, it begins in the home. Men and women who contract this marital relationship, they have to understand that the vows that they are exchanging are not only before friends and family members, but they are, in, they are also standing in the presence of God. And it is God that joins that couple together. And God desires that that union be permanent in nature. And so, we think about what James said here. Therefore, submit to God. But then also, as we think about this idea before us concerning our obedience to God and how our obedience to God can counter some of the ills that face our nation today, I would also suggest that it will counter disobedience in the home. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he said, Honor your father and mother, that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. Sometimes children think that they know more than their parents. And whether you believe it or not, at one point in time, I was a teenager. And I remember back when I was 16, 17 years of age, and I thought I was a man. And I thought I knew everything. And I can remember when my parents would tell me to do certain things, and I had the idea, the mindset, that oftentimes I knew more than they did. That I had more wisdom than they did. Well, in retrospect, many of the things that they said, many of the things that they instructed me to do, there was a purpose behind that. There was sage wisdom in some of the, the teaching that I received in the home. And so if you'll learn as a young person to be submissive to God, then you will honor what your parents say. You will give them the respect that they are worthy of in the home. And I think that in many respects, this is sadly lacking in our day and time. And then also as we think about being submissive to God, living in obedience to God, I would suggest unto you that our obedience to God will counter drifting spiritually. Sometimes individuals begin to drift in their spiritual lives. The Hebrew writer said we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip or drift from them. Are you drifting in your spiritual life? Just a moment ago, we asked the question, is your relationship to the Lord, is it one that is moving in a positive direction, or are you backing up? You and I, we have, to, we have to cultivate 
a relationship with the Lord. And we're going to have more to say about that in just a moment. But nonetheless, there are many people within the body of Christ who begin to drift in their spiritual lives. And there are some reasons for that. One reason is because they fail to spend time in the Word of God. They're not regular in their worship to God. They're not involved in the work of God. And so, they drift. Another problem that I believe obedience to God can correct and counter has to do with division and disturbances in the church. Now, there are times in local congregations when individuals have problems. And sometimes those problems are magnified. And those problems permeate within a local body. They disrupt the unity that once existed in a local congregation. There are individuals within the body of Christ who will sometimes embrace false doctrines and then in turn will begin to propagate those and thus they become a source of contention or division in the body. And yet Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 that we might be one through the words of the apostles. If we will stay true to the word of God, if we will anchor our lives to the teaching that is found in the New Testament, then the church of our Lord will be united. The psalmist said in Psalm 133:1, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. There is the strong need in There is a strong need in the church today for unity to prevail. So as we think about giving ourselves to God, strengthening our relationship to the Lord, first of all, we have to be obedient. Our obedience to God counters some of the the moral and social ills that we face in life. But then in the latter part of verse 7, we find also some obstacles that we face, and those obstacles are the result of the work of the devil. Now, James said, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Did you know that you and I are involved in spiritual warfare? James said that if we learn to resist the devil, then he will flee from us. If you go back to Matthew chapter 4 and you read of the temptations that Jesus faced... The Bible tells us that each time he was faced with temptation, he responded by saying, it is written. Jesus could look the devil in the eyes and quote scripture. Now, the psalmist said, thy word, your word is laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's found in Psalm 119 at verse 11. But in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, after successfully defending himself against our adversary, the devil, the Bible says that the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. 
You see, here is a truth that was later borne out by James in his inspired writing. And that is, if we resist the devil, if we will stand true to the word of God, then he will resist, then he will flee from us or leave us. And so, we think about the importance of being submissive to God. But then there's a second idea that is found in James chapter 4. Not only are we to be submissive to God, but we are instructed to stay close to God. This has to do with our obedience, our devotion to God. Note, if you would, what is said in verse 8. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Let me just pose this question. How can you and I, as members of the body of Christ, draw closer to Jehovah God? Three ways that I know of. Number one, praise. This has to do with our worship to God. Jesus said in John 4, verse 24, God is spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In verse 23, Jesus said, The Father seeketh such to worship him. God is interested in our worship. The word worship means acts of reverence paid to deity. In other words, you and I, when we engage in worship to God, we are giving him that which he is rightfully due. After all, the psalmist said, The Lord reigneth. He is the sovereign creator, sustainer, and redeemer of this universe. And so he is worthy of our worship and devotion. Now, the Hebrew writer cautions us against forsaking the assembly. As a matter of fact, in the first century, when the Hebrew writer penned these words in chapter 10, verse 25, this was a problem characteristic of some saints. And so, the admonition, do not forsake the assembly. When you and I are present each time the doors are open, we are, in effect, recharging our spiritual batteries. It affords us the opportunity to bow in the presence of God, to reflect on the fact that He is our Creator, that He is our Sustainer, and yes, that He is our Redeemer. There are five acts of worship referred to in the New Testament. One of those acts is the Lord's Supper. Every first day of the week, we partake of the Lord's Supper. And when we partake of the bread, we remind ourselves of the body of Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, This is my body which is given for you. The instructions, this do in remembrance of me. And then we partake of the cup. The cup symbolic of the blood shed on Calvary for our sins. The blood of the New Testament, the New Covenant. You and I today, we enjoy salvation, the remission of sins, based on the shed blood of the Son of God. And so Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come again. And so each first day of the week, we have the opportunity to reflect upon the death of Christ. And what a solemn statement it makes to the world at large. 
Think about how many people in our society today give little or any credence to the idea of religion. There are many people in our world today that scoff and scorn at the concept of a Savior. And yet those of us who are members of the body of Christ, each and every first day of the week, we come together, we sing songs of praise to Jehovah God. In doing this, we are teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We are singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord, Colossians 3.16. We listen to the word of God as it is expounded based on 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. We have the opportunity to give of our means, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. And then we bow our heads in prayer to Jehovah God, 1 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 8. Now you see, when we engage in these acts of, of worship, we are literally building within us spiritual strength and stamina. So not only should we praise God regularly, but we should pray regularly. Now, James said, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. We think about the admonition here to develop or strengthen our relationship with the Lord. One of the ways that you and I have to do that is to communicate with him by way of prayer. James wrote in chapter 5, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The New Testament is replete with encouragement to those of us who are followers of God to approach his throne regularly. In Luke 18, 1, the Bible says that men ought always to pray and not faint. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, that we are to pray without ceasing. In Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, watching therein with thanksgiving. And so over and over again, we are encouraged to pray to Jehovah God. Is it not true that as we pray to God, that we are developing a deeper relationship with the Lord? Think for a moment about your friends and family members. Those, those people that you are closest to, typically, you talk to often. Is that not the case? We talk to them by way of telephone. Maybe we communicate via email. We see them in person, but the idea is we communicate with them. We want to spend time with them. Well, prayer affords us the opportunity to draw close to the throne of God. The Hebrew writer said in chapter 4, Let us therefore draw boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. And so, we can stay close to God by way of praise, through prayer, and then finally, through this pattern that we call the Bible. Now, Paul taught Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, hold fast the form or pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. There is strength in studying and meditating on the truth of Jehovah God. You know, one of the best ways to teach people, it's called repetition. 
And one of the things that we emphasize on a regular basis is reading and studying and meditating on the truth of God. And and our prayer is that if we will continue trying to drive this point home, that those of us who are members of the body of Christ, we will spend more time in God's holy and inspired word. There have been individuals that I've known of in days gone by that literally spent somewhere between four and six hours every day reading and studying the Bible. Now you may say, I don't have that much time every day. Well, surely we have just a little bit of time in the morning or at lunchtime or maybe in the evening when we can sit down in the quiet solitude of our living room or den or study or maybe in the break room, at work, or wherever. We can open the pages of the Bible and begin to saturate our minds with the teaching that comes from the Bible. As you and I think about giving ourselves to God, it begins by being submissive to His will, submitting ourselves to God. Then we have to make an effort to stay close to Him. We do that through our praise, our prayers, and through this book that we call the Bible, a pattern for our lives. But then finally, James encourages us to separate ourselves to God. Now, the word sanctify carries with it the idea of being set apart. And we mentioned that this morning in our lesson. But you and I have some obligations imposed on us by James in chapter 4. Note, if you would, what he says in verse 8. The first idea has to do with severing ourselves from sin. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Jesus, in the long ago, said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, Matthew chapter 5. Purity of heart. When we obey the gospel, we are, in effect, getting out of the sinning business. And we are saying to the world that we are severing ourselves from that way of life. That we're not going to live a willful life of sin any longer. You see, Joshua, in the long ago made this exhortation, choose you this day whom you will serve. When you obeyed the gospel, you made a decision that you were going to serve the Lord. And so in that decision, inherent in that great decision, was a willingness to walk away from a life of sin. That is, you said, I'm giving it up. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. So we have to make this decision. We're going to sever ourselves from a life of sin. And then secondly, we are instructed to stop vacillating with sin. Now sometimes individuals will obey the gospel, and then they will continue flirting with the world. They want to, as we say sometimes, ride the fence post. Note, if you would, what James said. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
Was it not James in chapter 1 who said, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways? If you have the idea that you're going to obey the gospel, and then you can continue to flirt with sin and unrighteousness, you're making a grave mistake. You misunderstand the call of the gospel. You misunderstand the cost of discipleship. Because when you obey the gospel, we are saying that we are giving ourselves to the Lord, that we are his people, and that we will do as he says. And then finally, we must stay sensitive to sin. Note, if you would, what is said in verse 9. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. In Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. The idea is those who mourn for their sins. One of the things that those of us who are God's people need to do is make sure that we stay sensitive to the effects of sin. It's very possible for us as God's people to become immune to what the Bible teaches. How does that happen? Well, just close this book. Never spend time in the Word of God and you will become desensitized to right and wrong. Cease worshiping God regularly. Quit praying on a daily basis. And before you know it, you will find yourself in the clutches of Satan. One of the real problems among many people in our world today, in our society, is that they have become desensitized to sin and unrighteousness. How do I know that? Well, because there are a lot of things that are going on today that had they reared their head 30, 40, or 50 years ago, people in our country would have been up in arms. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, asked a, a question that I think very pertinent to today. He said, were they ashamed when they committed these abominations? His response, no, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Now, James said, you and I, we need to be sensitive to sin. It's very possible for us to become indoctrinated to the ways of the world. This happens by way of television, movies, the radio, the Internet. Think about the flood of media that we are exposed to on a daily basis. And many people in our media, they downplay this idea of sin. And they blur the lines between that which is right and wrong, good and evil. That's why James said you need to be sensitive to sin. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 19, the Apostle Paul speaks of the Gentile world. And he said, who being past feeling have given themselves over to licentiousness. To work all uncleanness with greediness. What happened to these people? Well, 
They lost their sensitivity to right and wrong. And so Paul characterized them as people who were past feeling. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Paul speaks of those whose conscience has become seared by a hot iron. Some of you have probably seen an animal when it has been branded with a hot iron. It's my understanding that when they take that hot iron and brand an animal, that the place where that animal has been seared, that that place will develop a scab. And then, over a period of time, that marking on the side of that particular animal, where that marking is, has no feeling whatsoever. Those nerve endings have been blunted. That's what happens to us, spiritually speaking, when we close our eyes to the will of God. When we close our minds to the truth of God, we become insensitive to sin. We become desensitized and thus we open the door for any number of problems. Tonight we close by asking this question. What is your relationship to the Lord? Is your relationship to the Lord one that you're very pleased with? Are you making progress, spiritually speaking? Are you drawing closer to God? Or do you feel as if you, you are drifting spiritually the answer is to come back to the Lord the answer is found in the Bible tonight if you're here you're not a member of the Lord's church our plea to you begin a relationship with the Lord this very hour make the decision tonight that you're going to obey the gospel the Bible says that on Pentecost day those who were present were instructed to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins some 3,000 people did that. And the Bible says the Lord added them to the church. Acts 2, verse 47. If you haven't responded to the gospel of Christ, then this is, this is the time to do that. Paul said, today is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. And then, it may be that you're here tonight, you're not faithful to the cause of Christ. Maybe your life is not what it should be. Guess what? You can be restored back to the Lord. You can once again enjoy fellowship with God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, with people of like precious faith. What would you need to do? The Bible says confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. Could we encourage you to do that tonight as we stand and sing for your encouragement?